DFS and betting podcast with your hosts Kyle Borgannoni and Matthew Betts. Welcome in Friday, April fourteenth, here on the Fantasy Footballers DFS and betting podcast. I'm your host Kyle Borgannoni, and I am joined once again by Matthew Makalaka Ding Dong Betts. Dude, that article was so fun to write and took way longer than I actually thought it was going to take. Um, you know, looking at every market that's available in the NFL draft props uh, on, on DraftKings, on FanDuel, across multiple books to figure out how the heck the first round of the NFL draft is going to go and hopefully put some money in our pockets. And I'd be lying if I said I had any confidence <laughs> in how I think it's going to go. But that mock draft article is up on the site. And I think if you are looking to get down on the NFL draft from a betting perspective, it can be very helpful. I'll have the second mock, the second version out next week. Maka laka ding dong. I'm not going to lie. It it takes a while. I saw it. I, I got to look through it. I read through it. I've re- read through it twice, actually, Bets, just so you know. But oh, yeah. uh, if you need to go to the bathroom and need a friend, <laughs> this is that thing. And we'll get to talk through some of that article. This episode is all about us walking through uh, different props we like. We're gonna go position by position, different markets, and give you some some takes. I will be very happy to say, hey, let's just say this is what the media says. Let's go the opposite way. So I'll give you some contrarian takes, some things that seem like they're stone cold locks. We'll talk through all of that. Uh, we're glad you're with us. You can subscribe, review, whatever you want to do on Apple or Spotify. I know some of you guys enjoy the Dynasty podcast, which bets. I feel like we're kind of like bearing the lead of how, you know, the podcast is doing. It's doing okay in the charts, I hear. The Dynasty pod. Yeah, it's fine. It's all right. It's gotten a couple downloads, maybe a listen or two. A couple of them have been my family members. So that helps, <laughs> helps things a lot. But <laughs> I love doing that show, man. I just had the first one. I missed the first one. I was on vacation. But I just joined uh, you and, and Big Shim, Big Shimmy, Jason, to talk about the rookie wide receivers. It was eye-opening to me, and it, obviously people listening to this are interested in the NFL draft. If you are, go back, check that one out in the Dynasty feed. I think you're going to really enjoy it a lot. And then next week, you, me, and the Hitman talking about the uh, the quarterback class, which I'm excited to, to break down. My wife, she asked me, she said, what are you guys talking about? Like, I know that your podcast is doing well, apparently. It's <laughs> just like completely removed from fantasy ball world, which I kind of like that I have a part of my life that's not just this. But she's like, what do you talk about in you were on a dynasty podcast and then now you guys are, you and bets are just talking like, do you just only just talk about rookies right now? And I go pretty much like that's kind of, that's, that's kind of the hot stuff. The season. I do want to give us a quick question here. You just put out an article. We kind of collaboratively put this out uh, early win total bets. It's free on the website. If you want to look at it at the fantasyfootballers.com. What are some quick takes last week? We kind of teased it after the NFL draft. We'll give our full rundown, but Give me a team that you're feeling good. And both of us, these are teams that we liked their total. And then the line's been moving in a good direction. I mean, Kyle, it's, it's in the artwork. We move, we're moving the lines. That's what we do. Yeah, this one we wrote it up and briefly talked about last week was the Rams under seven and a half wins. When we wrote it up and when we took it, it was even money, plus 100. It is now minus 120. This has also moved on different books. I'm seeing as far uh, out to minus 142 on FanDuel. So, if you have a strong conviction in this take like I do, now is the time to grab it on DraftKings before it moves because the rest of the market is telling us it will. Uh, it's just, we think about the Rams, right? And a couple of years ago with their Super Bowl run, they made the approach that they are going to go all in, mortgage the future, mortgage their picks, put themselves in a bad financial position to win a Super Bowl. And granted, it worked. So hats off to them. Now they're sort of paying for it. You know, a couple of years later, you've got no picks. They've got no money in free agency, so they couldn't make any moves. And they lose some big-time players, especially on defense. Bobby Wagner was their leading tackler last year. Jalen Ramsey. Taylor Rapp is, was a starting safety. Their offensive line is a mess. They have no wide receivers behind Cooper Cup. And oh, by the way, Matthew Stafford apparently 
was considering retirement. So was Sean McVay, and so was Aaron Donald. This team is extremely fragile, even though I can see a path where they can get over eight wins. To me, it just there's more that is going to go wrong for this team, likely, than right. I'm with you. I feel like this has been a consistent take from you from the beginning of the offseason, and it lines up when we look at everything going on. I'm going to do something that's very Kyle. It's very me. Uh, it's a team that I think the public as a whole likes. There's some steam behind them. So that just means I need to go the other direction. That's my thing, right? Yep. If, it, if it's cool, Kyle's not doing it. <laughs> Does that either make me really not cool or just, man, so far ahead of the curve? You're missing out, buddy, because you, you missed the Joe Burrow fun years, you know, when it was just kind of cool to be on him when he was coming up. You were like, I don't know, man. I don't know. And and there he is, you know, in the Super Bowl, just slinging it around, <laughs> you know, just just basically telling you to uh, yeah, take a backseat, buddy. No, my thing against Joe Burrow is not him as a player. It's him as a person that I think that he thinks he's too cool for school. That's my take. You know, but, it is OK, Kyle, to actually enjoy yourself every now and then and have some fun. I know there's some players that are super fun out there. Uh, they're just a very small amount of them. It's uh, Keenan Allen, and that's it. <laughs> no, uh, I'm going to take the Jaguars. Their win total is at 10.5. I like the under. I took it when it was at minus 120. It's now minus 140 on DraftKings Sportsbook. And on FanDuel, this is at 9.5. So what does that tell you that there's a giant discrepancy bets? Like between two big books, 9.5 and 10.5, and that's in win totals market, that's massive. Yeah, I think, and to be fair, on FanDuel, the, the over 9.5 is heavy juice. I think I saw like minus 150, something like that, uh, as of our recording. That could change. But yeah, that probably tells me that right around 10 is the number that it's going to close. So again, if you are looking to kind of get some good closing line value, I think if you you know stand with Kyle on the take that under 10.5 might be a play, that is the time to grab it kind of before it moves to 9.5 because it likely will. At schedule-adjusted projections that I have, I have them at 9.8 wins. So I already liked the under. And then when I saw, uh, you know, comparing other books, I was like, wow, this this is a good number. Keep in mind, the Jaguars last year were playing a fourth-place schedule, which is why they had the number one pick last year. And so it was very different. This year, it's a first-place schedule. So that adds games against the Chiefs and 49ers at home and then the Bills on the road. Like, that in itself, those are really hard games. Let's say they go one and two, like two and one. Like that would be a miracle if they went two and one in those games. I get the AFC South is pretty soft, but they have the AFC North, the NFC South. Like I think this is a near 500 team in a really bad division. And keep in mind, this is a team that lost to the Texans last year. Divisional games against the Titans have always kind of been a coin flip. And I think the Colts will be much improved from the uh, fighting Jeff Saturdays they were last year. So it's an under I like early. I I bet DraftKings drops this to 10 wins soon. Yeah, I think so too. And real quick, just to speak to some of those you know matchups, like you said, the Bengals are a tough out. The Ravens, right now everyone's down on the Ravens because there's no clarity on Lamar Jackson, but all signs are pointing to Lamar's back. And when Lamar Jackson is back, that's a tough game to win for that team. So even though I know the, the narrative is AFC South is, is terrible, doesn't necessarily guarantee that the Jaguars can hit 11 wins. I see the path for sure. You know, Trevor Lawrence takes a step forward, second uh, year in, in Doug Peterson's system. They keep adding through the draft. Um, I see the path, but yeah, I think I'm with you based off your schedule adjusted, which by the way, people, Kyle's schedule adjusted win totals have been money for us for years. So if I'm, I'm not going to fade Kyle in this market. There will be other markets, DFS, drop bets. <laughs> I'll be fading Kyle heavily. This is not the place for me. Yeah, definitely there's places you need to just ignore what I'm saying. But walking through the schedule is something that I just love doing because it takes out the sentiment. Like the the sentiment, I get it, is this is a team that should improve. This is a team that added Calvin Ridley. Like there's so many things that you could say, but when you look at a first-place schedule, 11 wins is tough in the NFL. Like that's, that's a pretty hard thing to do. Not many teams can do it. Uh, so I like the under right now. If you want to get more of our takes... All year long, you get them in the Ultimate Draft Kit Plus at ultimatedraftkit.com. Hey, you want to use the promo code DFSPOD? I'm going to make it live just because I said it. Uh, you can save a little bit more cash. Get in on the Dynasty Pass. Get in all of our takes over the summer with best ball. So get that at ultimatedraftkit.com. And next week on this podcast, I need to say right now, is possibly our favorite show of the entire year, right? It's up there. If it's not, if it's not the favorite, it's in the top two, guaranteed. It is the NFL betting mock draft we will walk through. Bets and I will go back and forth of our picks. 
and then f- we'll we'll do the screenshot. We do it every year, but our our show doc is full of starter jacket logos, which just makes it seem that much cooler to two people. And then I bet maybe one other person who's like, "Whoa, I want to see that." Uh, you can Dude, definitely nineties kids get it. They get it. Yeah, and you can always uh, shout out to us in Discord. We have one of our writers that did a AMA in Discord for Dynasty. We're going to be giving threads for upcoming shows leading up to the NFL draft. If you want to ask your questions about the betting markets, you can do that. But let's get into it. Welcome to the NFL. So this show is going to be devoted to going through the major positions, quarterback, running back, wide receiver. We'll touch tight end a little bit. And then looking at defense, which I feel like is a market you and I right now, like defensive players off the board, uh, especially in the top five, that things have trended really well if you got some of those uh, early bets with us. But a reminder, getting rich off of the NFL draft is very hard. You need to be able to get way ahead of the curve on some of these. If you want to get these really big totals, uh, for instance, like if you're trying to say, hey, there's this many quarterbacks that are going to be taken round one, like... There's pretty heavy juice. You're not going to be able to make a ton of money off this stuff because the lines have sharpened over time. It's clear what people think, what's the consensus. So we'll talk about some of those. But your article, your monster article, I'm just going to talk about it again. The 2023 NFL Draft Betting Guide Mach 1.0 is a really long article, but it walks through the entire first round and says, based on the odds, here's what these teams are going to do. So any takeaways from just writing that article for you that can help listeners and help people realize like it, this isn't just this team needs this position. Here's what they're going to do. Like we need to take this into account what the markets are saying. Yeah. In that article, I, I sort of tried to use a couple of different things to formulate it. So it's not necessarily my take on here's how I think the first round is going to go. Here's what I see happening. Here are the bets I would make. I more or less use the betting markets and information that I've been gathering for weeks and honestly months of mock drafts, people, you know, reputable sources, big boards, stuff like that, and kind of put the pieces together and said, here's how it might go. Let's be honest. Probably half of it is is just garbage because that's how mock drafting is. And that's how the NFL draft is. And so my biggest takeaway in doing it was that, and I feel like we feel this every year, you know, Kyle and I, or people that are serious about trying to put a couple of dollars down on this to win some money, is that you can see everything through a, this is how it's going to go because there's so much talk about it. There's so much hype about it. There's consensus. And it turns out every Thursday night of the NFL draft in round one, things happen when you're like, whoa, did not see that happening at all. Remember last year, everyone was so confident. Aiden Hutchinson was the pick at number one for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. And things kind of fell apart. So you just need to be very careful not taking the betting markets as fact. They are very uh, sensitive to mock drafts in the public, tweets, reports, podcasts that people are doing stuff like that so unlike betting sides and totals where there's you know algorithms and there's data to help these books kind of guide themselves the books have the same information as we do and so just because you might see a minus 500 line i wouldn't make it a minus 500 line just be careful about that you want to really really uh don't be afraid to get off the board and i think my my approach in this market is just i'm hoping to hit two three maybe four of these bets that we take but the ones that we're taking, like Kyle and I are, are betting like plus 800 odds and plus 1200 odds. Like we're trying to kind of hit these long shots. So have fun with it. Be smart. But like I said, those betting lines in uh, the sports books are not fact by any means. Yeah, there's one we'll talk about with first defensive player, Will Anderson, who I think I personally would pick Will Anderson first. I think that he makes sense with the Cardinals, but that's not what I'm going off of this. This isn't what I would do. This isn't what I would do if I was a GM. This is... You know, how are things shaking out with multiple teams? We'll talk about teams trading up. I have some pretty strong opinions about what trading up looks like, trading down, uh, all of those things. Well, let's start with quarterbacks. The total on DraftKings Sportsbook is set at four and a half, which I think is a pretty good line uh, considering there's a big four. And the big four, the conversation right now is they might be the first four picks, you know, in the draft. I, if there's odds on that to go a different direction, like I would gladly go the other direction because two teams to trade up is kind of like what people are saying is like maybe the Colts trade up one spot or you know maybe the Cardinals trade down. Like it's not a guarantee that it goes one, two, three, four. You know, Young, Stroud, Richardson, Levis. I would say at least one of those quarterbacks will fall, but 
The four and a half line, where are you at with four and a half quarterbacks in the first round? Yeah, this is one that I feel pretty confident in the under four and a half is the right play at the correct odds. And what I mean by that is I took this on FanDuel. It's an official play for us in our article at minus 136. I would not touch anything close to minus 180, minus 200. But this line, I think, has moved too far in the wrong direction, meaning there's been some buzz on Hendon Hooker, the quarterback out of Tennessee, sneaking into the first round. And a lot of the stuff that you hear is just that it doesn't make sense. There's just not enough teams that need quarterback that are willing to pull the trigger on him in round one for many reasons. But specifically, he's 25 years old. He's coming off of an ACL injury. A fluky offense that we talked about you know, on the Dynasty show with Jalen Hyatt. Not a lot of people are talking about that with Hendon Hooker. It's the same offense. Um, and looking at the big boards around the industry, PFF has this guy 82nd overall. Daniel Jeremiah with NFL Network, 46th. Dane Brugler with The Athletic, 49th overall. And there was an article on ESPN today that basically said most teams have a second round grade on him. Could a tr- team trade up and take him in the back of round one? Sure, we see it every year. But over the last five years, there's been an average of 3.6 QBs in the first round. If you take out last year's you know, fluke with just one with Kenny Pickett, it's still down at uh, 3.8. So more likely than not, it's four or less quarterbacks. I'm going to take the under here as long as you can get it at minus 136. Yeah, I'm with you. I would definitely take the under right now at a certain price. Uh it's wishful thinking, and you know there are some teams in mock drafts like, oh, Hinton Hooker could be a top ten pick. Like the steam on him is a lot for you know what you're looking at. And I talked about this actually on the Footcast with Andy. You can look at Hinton Hooker's measurables, you know, like six two, six three, two fifteen, and you know, kind of look at what he is as a passer, completion percentage. Say, oh, he could be Geno Smith. Like, and I get that. Like he Hooker probably runs more, but when you start to factor in someone's age at the quarterback position. It breaks almost every single metric we have when you look at the first round. It's Brandon Whedon. That's it. The only other quarterbacks with any NFL success as a whole is like Case Keenum. And then that's end of list. Anybody 24 or older. So someone that's going to be 20 or that's 25 and that will be 26 probably when he gets a starting, if he gets a starting job. I think it's wishful thinking from a prospect evaluation. Uh, and then you add in the injury and the fluky offense. I'm with you. So I would take the under there. What about at first overall? Because things have changed a ton. Where I felt like smartest man alive, you know, a month ago, I was like, hey, CJ Stroud, uh, first quarterback taken, plus, you know, it was like plus 500 or whatever. I was like, I am the smartest man alive. And then it's just, things have shifted so much. But what real information do we have to go off of that Bryce Young is now minus 360 to be the first overall pick? Yeah. And what's, crazy about this market you know is that it's and we kind of do see this you know year after year that the market is so sensitive to just a couple people betting on it or one notable mock draft or something and really what got this all started was uh, the guys on ESPN were kind of talking about Chris Mortensen and uh, Schefter were talking about you know mock draft of what they could see happening and they put Bryce Young there and then there was another one that had Bryce Young but a couple of these were talking about like let's just see what happens if and I would say that the minus 360 isn't a terrible line. That is not something I'd be betting right now whatsoever. I don't mind the plus 225 on Stroud where it is at right now. Fortunately, if you're with us early in the process, we have Stroud. I think it's plus 475. We've got Bryce Young plus 330. So we kind of hedged once we saw the steam maybe starting a little bit. So hopefully, unless something crazy goes wrong, Kyle, we should be we should be clear here. But I wouldn't be not be laying minus 360. That's going to come down, in my opinion, over the next week or so. Um, if I had to, had to guess right now, what I think is happening is that I think the, the Panthers still view Stroud as the guy. And it makes sense to say, hey, we're considering Bryce Young there's been a lot of buzz about the, the Texans are locked in on Bryce Young. If you're Carolina, why wouldn't you say, like, we're considering him at one. Houston, what are you going to do? Do they get him to bite and move up and, you know, all these things? Maybe. And so I think that's what's going on here. The market has moved far too in the wrong direction, in my opinion. Right now, to me, CJ Strata plus 225 is the only play if you're going to play it. Um, I, I would not be laying that juice. I, I have an article that's coming out, and I've written about this in the past, but there is very little incentive for any NFL team to just outrightly say, I like this player. Like it's just in the NFL draft, Uh, apart from having the number one pick, like you control the rest of the board. 
And I agree with you. I think that if Carolina, from a logical standpoint, stands to gain nothing, the only thing they can gain is if they like Stroud and they think the Texans are crazy about him, they want to flip-flop and gain some gain some capital, do it. Do that all day if you think that that's what you want to do. But at the end of the day, I don't take a lot of the media stuff of this player, that this team likes this player. I could go through you know, every team and say, yes, of course they're going to like C.J. Stroud. Um, and I'm a little biased towards C.J. Stroud because he's, he's been my number one this whole process. And it seems like Josh McCown has gone like and said, like, I like this guy, I want this guy. Uh, you know, months ago, but I could also say the same thing of what he said about Bryce Young and the way they've kind of pivoted and said things. So um, keep that in mind. When a team says something, they like this player. I'll talk about that more. Uh, there's probably some smoke screens there. What are they going to gain advantage, including one that I saw today that I, I'm just going to add. The Buccaneers are, quote, in love with Will Levis. That's the Buccaneers are right now drafting at 19th overall. What is Will Levis's line? on his draft pis, uh, draft position total. As of yesterday, it was under seven and a half minus one sixty. It is now over or over under is at six and a half minus one fifteen on both sides. So if they love him, they better love him a lot and they're gonna have to move up a ton, it looks like, to go get him. So yeah, that's kind of the things that you just need to be careful about what you hear. I mean, is there a, a world where Will Levis falls to the Bucks? Sure. It's possible, yes. but very unlikely. Yeah, right. Bucks first pick QB is at plus six hundred to take Levis. It's plus a thousand. So if you're one of those people, it's like, oh, I know it. I'm plugged in. I know uh, plus one thousand. I just think that that is a lot to have confidence in for a team moving up from nineteen. And what I found in my study, and I'll put this in my article, is that teams that are linked to trade up in the draft beforehand, historically over the last five years, they normally never trade up this late. It just doesn't happen. What's actually more likely is when teams are steamed up to trade down, they do trade down more. So the Bears were steamed up as a team. Hey, they could trade down, and they did. The Cardinals are the team this year that everyone's saying to trade down, and the betting markets are also reflecting that now. Trading up is a is a fool's errand. And when I look at our favorite mock drafters, so you named them earlier, Daniel Jeremiah, Dane Brugler, and I would say Peter Schrager is probably our other dude. Um, you could throw in Bucky Brooks or whoever, but those those three... If you look at their mock drafts the last two years, and they're the best at this, way better than I would ever be, so I'm not trying to throw any shade. They've projected 15 trade-ups in the last two years. Zero of them happened in the NFL, looking at their last mock draft. So you think teams are in love with a player. You think they're going to do it. Um, I saw one from one of the mock drafts that said, like, oh, the Eagles need a playmaker. They're going to trade up for Jamison Williams. And, and, of course, we get the A.J. Brown news that kind of changes that, but, like, I was just thinking, man, how would the Eagles have been different if they didn't have A.J. Brown? Instead, they had have Jamison Williams and a lost year. Like, do you think the Eagles would have, you know, made the NFC title game? No. I mean, A.J. Brown was a massive difference maker for that team this year. Yeah, no. So it was, it was just interesting going back through all that. So I like to fade that. What about Anthony Richardson? His line right now is four and a half. The under is minus 165. And he's the odds-on favorite to be the third and the fourth pick. So, obviously, he can't be both, which would be amazing if he was. Uh, what's your lean on Richardson? Yeah, there's one quarterback every year that seems to be over-mocked. Uh, and I'm not making this comparison that this is the, this is what it is this year. But Malik Willis, at one point, was the betting favorite to go second overall. Obviously, in hindsight, that looks horrible. Uh, the reason I bring that up is because the Cardinals at three are the key to the puzzle in this in this situation, basically. If they trade out, which I think they will, I think they should, obviously someone is coming up to get a quarterback. And then you have Indy right there who's sitting. That apparently today in an ESPN article, they, the report and the source basically said, you know, the Colts have Levis above Anthony Richardson because they think Levis can start right away in week one, whereas Richardson might need to sit for a year. I think there's a realistic possibility that Anthony Richardson, even though the dynasty and fantasy community, we love this guy for his upside. I think there's a chance he probably falls. I shouldn't say probably. I think there's a chance he falls outside of the top five picks. And so when I think about the Richardson under four and a half juice, I don't love it, to be honest with you. Um, I would try to look for an alternative market if you do want to lean into that and just say, hey, I think he lands with the Titans that trade up or goes to the Colts or something like that. You're going to get plus money in those markets. I would not lay minus 165. I don't feel as confident about it. What I do feel confident is the fact the public is overconfident in teams trading up in these spots in the top five. So there's yeah. markets we'll talk about with defensive players 
where you and I just kind of hammered away like, hey, there's elite defensive prospects that could easily go, you know, at four or five. Like, it, it, it could happen. And so those are the ones that have changed a ton from, you know, ones that we got at like plus 800 to, um, you know, ones that are close to being, you know, plus 100. Like, they're really close. So with Anthony Richardson, I could see him going to the Colts. I could see them starting Gardner Minshew for what? you know, the first month plus of the season. And maybe Richardson gets like a second half of the kind of season. I could see that. Uh, it just kind of all depends on what the Cardinals want to do, who trades up with the Cardinals, because they're kind of the prime position. Do you think, last little question here about quarterback, do you think the public is too confident in the Cardinals trading out in a team at three going for Richardson? If they don't trade out, in my opinion, it is a horrific move. I mean, they have all the leverage in the world right now. They need to rebuild at every position, essentially. Um, so I think they should, and I, I think they will, if they can get the right partner. If they can't, you know, they're not just going to do it to do it. it. It makes sense to stay and take their guy. But unless you are locked in that, like, Will Anderson is definitely the, the guy or Christian Gonzalez is definitely the guy that's going to be a starter for 10 years, I don't see how you don't trade out. Yeah, with the Cardinals, the position they have, you mentioned of leverage, is, hey, we know that there are multiple teams that want this. What are you going to do about it? Are you going to make a better offer? Because, I mean, the public's been clear for a while. Like, this is what they want to do. They want to trade out. So whether you're Indianapolis or, you know, you're the Raiders, you're the Buccaneers, whoever, if you want this spot, you need to beat out this other team. And so, yeah, I think they're taking their time the right way to get the best offer. I also could just see the Cardinals being the Cardinals and just sitting, waiting, and uh, and not really doing anything about it. So... We'll see. We'll take a short break, and we'll come back with running backs. Right now, the betting line for running backs drafted in the first round is pretty steep. Under 1.5 is at minus 600, and over 1.5 is at plus 400. When you look at the second running back drafted, we'll talk about Bijan in a second. When you look at the second running back, it's also heavily Jameer Gibbs. His odds right now on DraftKings are minus 2,000 to be the second running back. So looking at those odds, what do you think about Gibbs sneaking into the first round? And and the specifically the one where it's over one and a half running backs drafted. Yeah, I, I, I'd have a tough time seeing it. Certainly possible. You know, we saw the Chiefs take Clyde Edwards-Alaire in round one as a luxury pick but I think teams are hopefully getting smarter that you can't take luxury picks in the NFL and get away with it very often so I'd be very surprised if that's the case it is notable that like the favorites to draft Jameer Gibbs are these teams kind of in the back of the first um, you know the Bengals the Bills the Cowboys um, the Chiefs so it, it does sort of make sense but I don't have any sort of lean that it's actually going to happen I think a lot of people would say they've got a second round grade on him and unlikely to go in the first round. So even though it is enticing at plus 400, to me, I don't really see a play there. Yeah, you're basically making a dart throw of which one of these teams you think could take them there. And, you know, you can connect the dots and say, well, the Chiefs have been super cute in the past. They tried to do that with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. They could take Gibbs there. And, you know, Gibbs could be their pass catching back. Pacheco could be early downs. You can connect those dots. But... I don't like one laying that juice uh, for the under, so I'm not going to do that at minus 600. And then you and I have a bet that we like a little bit better with Gibbs um, in terms of like stabbing the team that we like. So we have the commanders and Gibbs as a connection point that we got at 50 to one. Is there any other spot for Gibbs that you are interested in? Yeah, I think if you are going to try to look to this market of like who could actually take him, I think the Eagles are in play, not at 30, but potentially in the second round if they decide they want to go up and get him. The depth chart right now is terrible, currently at the running back position for this team. And they've had official visits with B. John Robinson, who I don't think they're taking. And I, I'm, I'm tired of seeing the mock drafts with him there because this team is too smart. But in the second round, certainly it could happen. They took Miles Sanders in the second round you know, a few years ago. And right now, and, and they had a private meeting with him at the combine, by the way, Jameer Gibbs. Right now, the Eagles are plus uh, 2,500, 25 to 1 on FanDuel to be the team that takes Jameer Gibbs. So I could see that happening for sure. But I, I love the bet that we made a week or so ago about 
Jameer Gibbs going to Washington. And this is a long shot. We put a few bucks on it. We hope it hits. And if it doesn't, no big deal. But the current GM of the uh, the Commanders has been linked in the past with teams that take running backs a lot in the NFL draft. The 49ers, and he was the GM previously with the Detroit Lions. When he was there, they took a running back in the draft somewhere in the draft, you know, rounds one through seven or whatever, um, six of the eight years. So this is a guy who's told us he's willing to take running backs. They have a obvious need at running back. They're not going to take Bijan at 16, in my opinion. So could they trade up a few spots and get Jameer Gibbs in the second round? I hope so. Well, at the odds we got them, I sure hope it happens. Yeah, 47th overall is where they're at in the second round. So I could see them trade up there. They lost uh, some pieces, including J.D. McKissick. They cut. So it's a fun long shot bet if you want to get in on that. At the end of the day, pegging the right player with team is not a very profitable market. Like it's one to sprinkle a few if you have some urges, if you see some inefficiencies, but it's really tough to get those right. Like let's uh let's move to the most popular running back because I, I think that's the one that people are trying to peg the most. It's the yeah. I mean, I had to work that in. Had to work that in the show. Obviously. You're it's contractually catchy. obligated. It's catchy, you know, when you're, you know, around the house or you're doing dishes like the Bijan Minute. I feel like there needs to be a t-shirt with that. And we definitely need a really cool graphic on the main show that just kind of shows Bijan popping up or him and Jason like skipping through the 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 fields of uh, the meadows. Oh, that would be so good. Yeah. <laughs> that would be so good. So Bijan, the betting favorites are the Cowboys and my Falcons. If my Falcons took him at 8th overall, it would be fun. But I would not want to build my team that way. <laughs> also, RIP to Tyler Algier Dynasty shares. For real. Um, yeah. I, so my take on the Bijan stuff is that it is really difficult to find the spot for him. And that's what you've heard from a lot of the NFL guys is like, Bijan's not falling outside the top 20. No way. Not a chance. But then you look at the teams and what they need and how it fits. And it, there's it's very hard to, to find the spot for him in the draft. But... As far as the Falcons go, I don't know what your thoughts are, Kyle. I know you're obviously plugged into Atlanta. I've seen a ton of buzz on the edge rushers, Nolan Smith, Lucas Van Ness, Tyree Wilson if he falls. And I've seen a little bit of just kind of more casual mock drafts having Bijan there. I don't know if that's just want us wanting it to happen or if it actually has uh, some life. Plus 600, I feel like that's not great odds, truthfully, uh, for Bijan to go there. I could see him falling into the 20-ish range personally just because the NFL, I, th I think, is getting smarter. But there was an ESPN article today, and one of the notes on the Atlanta Falcons said Arthur Smith is, I think the quote was, intrigued yes. by Bijan Robinson. So I wouldn't be shocked at all, but uh, it's not a play for me. Intrigued is great when you're looking at a player, and you should be intrigued. I mean, like, couldn't I flip that statement and just say the obvious thing is we all should be intrigued about Bijan Robinson? So that's, that's like how you take a quote like that and go, well, wouldn't everyone who watches this player play football feel that way? But I think the Falcons are a prime candidate to trade down. They've had a great offseason from a lot of people, and that was like really great to hear that we weren't the dumbest team ever. But at eighth overall, let's say there's not a defensive player that they're in love. They're like, oh, I actually see you know three or four guys that we like here on the board. It seems like cornerback might not be as... like viable with Jeffrey Okuda now in the mix. So I think they're a prime team to trade down. And if there's a team at eight that says, hey, we really want this quarterback, they can move up there. Um, but yeah, I, like Bijan, I'm, that's not even on my radar as saying this is what they should do uh, at all. I like, I'm just going through the board. So let me, let me just walk through. We'll do this all next week, but let's start at 10. And I'm just going to quickly go through the teams and you say, this is going to happen with Bijan. This is possible. This is not. Uh, Philadelphia at 10. No. Tennessee at 11. No. I mean, yes, he's kind of like he can be the heir apparent, but this team has tons of needs. They've been linked to trade up for quarterback. They need a lot of stuff. Houston at 12. They shouldn't. I mean, it's <laughs> possible, but they shouldn't. Uh, the Jets at 13. No way they're going to do that. Okay. I've seen some people say the Patriots at 14 is a landing spot. Is this like is this where Bill Belichick wants to spend his draft capital? I'd be surprised. I mean, the, the Sony Michelle pick a few years ago was a disaster. Um, they took Lawrence Maroney years ago. It was fine. But like this team, this is a bad team. Like 
the Patriots are finally at a point where I think we can kind of confidently say that they've got the hardest strength to schedule, by the way, uh, on, on sharp football this season. So it's looking bad. And if they take Bijan with the holes that they have at pass catcher <laughs> line secondary, it is negligence, in my opinion. All right, I'm going to go through a couple more. Green Bay at 15, no way. They just restructured Aaron Jones. They have A.J. Dillon. Washington at 16 is interesting, uh, and we mentioned that Possible. one. Possible. Uh, Pittsburgh, no way. Detroit, no way. Tampa Bay. What do you think? <laughs> Again, they have so many needs. Like, I, I don't know, man. I, I could see it, but... I they just have so many holes to fill. It's so hard to see a spot for Bijan. Yeah, they look like a prime spot to get a day, day two or day three running back to kind of mix in there with Rashad White and your boy Keyshawn Vaughn. It's pretty and uh, Chase Edmonds. It's a pretty rough depth chart there. And then the I get to torn. I get to twenty, and it's Seattle who just took Kenneth Walker this past year. So it's like everyone keeps saying, like you mentioned, he's not falling out of twenty, and people could trade up. But right now, as the board looks. I mean, is Washington the only one that seems like maybe they they could do it? That's what I keep coming back to because of the connections we talked about with that GM drafting um, running backs historically. But then everything that I'm hearing out of Washington is that this team is pretty much locked in on secondary or offensive line help. A lot of their top 30 visits have been offensive line. And you think about it, like you want to give Sam Howell maybe a chance to be the guy. You might as well protect him or at least build the team around him. And if not... You're picking up at the top of the draft next year again. Hopefully you take a quarterback then. So I, I, I think it makes sense, but this is just a market I have zero feel for. Other than maybe he falls to 27 and the Cowboys are doing backflips because it's the most Cowboys pick of all time. Right. Or in my mock, because they're the favorite, I said, let's have some fun with it. They trade up and get him. I don't think that actually happens, but man, that's the most Jerry Jones move in the entire world to trade up for running back. So yeah, I don't have a great feel on this. I'm off of this market personally. I can't wait when we do our mock draft next week on the show. I mean, I'm not going to talk to you at all. We, You and I do our separately. We make them, then we compare. Bijan, I could name five places, and it might not even be on your list because he, he could go yeah. a bunch of different And we're going to have to put him in because he's going round one. <laughs> I know. All right, wide receivers. Over the last five years, there's an average of 4.2 wide receivers in the first round, and the line is at 4.5. The under is at minus 670 on FanDuel, but minus 330 on DK. So it, what do you think about that discrepancy between those two books? Yeah, I I mean, I don't think that... I think the line is good. I think the odds are terrible. I wouldn't lay juice on either of those because I could absolutely see, you know, with Jalen Hyatt with his speed and field-stretching ability sneaking into the back of the first for sure. And to me, that kind of that's the name to monitor this in this market because you kind of think about the big four likely to go in the first round. You know, Jordan Addison, JSN... Quentin Johnston and uh, Zay Flowers getting a ton of love. But he's not big. He's not very, he's just not no. big at all. He's not, <laughs> just but people love him. Apparently I hate him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't like, go back to the Dynasty show to check that out. But um, but yeah, those are the big four. So it's almost like a bet on Jalen Hyatt, I think, in this market. And, you know, there's been some buzz that KC might be interested in trading up for a wide receiver. And the Giants could also take a wide receiver. And you've got the Ravens, the Chargers. So there's a lot of teams that really do need pass catcher that I could see the over hitting at, with five wide receivers, but I don't feel confident in it. And so this is not one that I'd be like, oh, definitely four is going to hit. Lay the minus 330. I would absolutely not be doing that. I was looking through the team's first drafted player market where you can just go through team by team and say, okay, this is the position they're drafting first. So the Giants are the favorite among wide receivers, if you want to call it that way, at minus 105. All right. So the Giants, <laughs> Giants are weird. Because I was looking through the last couple of years of drafts, and guess what? Every year, they've been mocked to draft a wide receiver, and they haven't been doing it. Last year, they had, what, picks five and seven? And all these people are like, okay, it's probably Garrett Wilson. They need to get Daniel Jones' help. Like, they have nobody. And you know what they did? Ah, who cares? We'll draft uh, Wandale Robinson, and then we'll go to the playoffs with a bunch of nobodies. So don't just think about team needs. The NFL thinks differently. But at 25, I feel like the Giants are like, a common place for Quentin Johnson or like uh, Jordan Addison. Yeah, that's where I put Quentin Johnson in my mock. Just thinking about like how Brian Dayball uses weapons, get the ball in his guy's hands, let him go to work. You also think about they signed every slot wide receiver in the NFL. Just so much redundancy. I don't really understand it. But Isaiah Hodgins was a nice player for them last year, but he's back on the exclusive rights deal, which basically means he's making 
zero money. Darius Slayton's kind of their field stretcher, but they don't really have that true big-bodied guy. So maybe Quentin Johnston makes some sense if you want to look in that market of like which team could take him. You're going to get really good odds there, I think, in that market. But I every time I keep coming back to it and I think about it, based off what I've seen about kind of how they rank players in their big board, everything is is don't be surprised if they take corner in the first round. So even though we think they maybe should keep adding playmakers, um, they still need some help in the secondary. And I think that's definitely a market they could look at. Yeah, it's at plus 200 to, to take a cornerback. So you're telling me, bets that this team doesn't need another cornerback to go with Paris Campbell, Sterling Shepard, Jamison Crowder, and Wendell Robinson. <laughs> I forgot about Paris Campbell. <laughs> I mean, what are they doing? And they're one-year deals, but like just over and over and the over. They're shopping, man. Apparently, they're wide receiver one That's right nasty, now. Those are the nasty boys. <sighs> and then Isaiah Hodgins and Darius Slayton chilling there too. So, yes, it could happen. Um other teams, the Chargers at plus 150. Jordan Addison's been talked about a lot, and that would be really cool. They need speed. That was kind of the biggest weakness last year of uh, Justin Herbert being 31st in ADOT and, you know, tons of tons of pass attempts, third most ever in NFL history, but a ton of short stuff. So a speedster, like Jalen Hyatt would be a really fun player. I'm not saying they should take him, but he seems like a Chargers player that they could easily take in the slot. Um the Chiefs at plus 200 are interesting. Uh, I could see them being super aggressive, but they're at the very end, so it's hard to have a ton of confidence in a team that's the last pick in the first round. Yeah, and that's where you get into trouble when you look at mock drafts and where you kind of take them as fact versus this could happen is because once you get past like pick 23, 24, I mean, there's 15 names that could, in theory, go in the first round because you think about the early second-round guys and the late first and a lot of teams have those players within a couple spots on their big board. So it, it gets messy very quickly. I will say just looking at this, though, for the Chargers, one link to Jordan Addison is that his uh, college receivers coach uh, at Pitt is actually now on the staff at the Chargers. So if they say, hey, I know this guy. I, I know how he works. I know what he can do well. This is how we could use him. I could see that being a fit. I actually really like that market. It's not up yet, but if it does come out sometime soon, just look for it. Like if you're going to get plus 500, plus 600, something like that on team to draft Jordan Addison. I think the Chargers is a really interesting sprinkle. You remember the Packers last year? They had two late first-round picks, like what you were talking about. It was uh, 22nd and 28th. And we're like, oh, they have to take a wide receiver here. We know they're going to do it. And so a lot of the mocks had that as just like built-in. We already know the Packers are going to take one here. And, you know, you had five wide receivers off the board. Was that it? London, Wilson, Olave. Uh, Jameson Williams, Jameson Williams, Dotson and Burke. So it's hit six actually, but people were already counting that one of those players would go to the Packers. And so that's why it's so weird to look at the market and say, first player drafted is this position. They of course traded up for Christian Watson in the second round, but yeah, don't just peg teams and say they need this. I mean, the Packers had two picks there and they picked two defensive players. So um, let's quickly go through the wide receivers draft positions. So Jackson Smith and Jigba, his line is at 12 and a half right now. And the over is at minus 175. Any takes on that? So this market opened up at 11 and a half, immediately got bet up to 12 and a half because I, I, I mean, I don't want to say this definitively. We don't want to make dogmatic statements because the NFL draft is the wild, wild west, but I'd be shocked if he went in the top 10. I think a lot of people would feel the same. So basically you're making a bet is does he go to the Houston Texans at 12 or not? And people said, I think it's possible. So they bet the over and now it's at 12 and a half and the over is is pretty juiced to minus 175. If you are going to play into this market, I wouldn't take the under 12 and a half. I just say team to draft JSN is the Texans. And right now it's a plus 450. That's the best way to bet this right now. Don't worry about the uh, the minus odds or the like plus 200 or whatever it is. Yeah, his feels pretty stuck. Like I, I can't see his line moving a ton because he's been linked so much. There's not a lot of other teams that seem like they're going to be taking a wide receiver in the top 10. So I think it's a good line. Like I think the books have done a good job just because of how much he's linked there. I would take the over if I would take one. Um, Zay Flowers, I'm going to recuse myself from actually discussing him at all because I'm very biased. <laughs> I am shocked that his line moved up to to 22 and a half. Yeah, it was 24 and a half minus 200 to the under. Then a couple days later, it moved to 22 and a half minus 150 still to the under. So there's a lot of steam on Zay Flowers. A lot of teams like him. But remember, 
that line is there for a reason, right? You've got like the Vikings who need wide receiver, the Chargers need wide receiver, the Ravens need wide receiver. So his line makes a ton of sense. I don't feel confident in it either way though. So for me, that's a stay away. Yeah, I'm 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 shocked it got steamed up that much because there's not that many teams right there. I mean, I guess you could say the Chargers, but there's not that many teams between 18 and 22 that you're going to say, hey, they're going to take someone there. And I mean, Flowers right now is the second wide receiver off the board in betting markets. Do you think that that's a mistake? Because I that shocked me too. So this is one that you and I disagreed with. And this is the part of the NFL draft that's so difficult for a lot of people is that we have opinions and your friend has an opinion and his friend has an opinion and someone else has an opinion. But here's the thing. It doesn't matter at all. What matters is what these NFL teams are going to do. And so I started seeing all this buzz on Zay Flowers. And like you, Kyle, I was like, how? How, how is this happening? But it's real. And right now he's mocked in what I'm tracking. He's mocked in like 70% of the first rounds that I'm seeing. So it makes a ton of sense. So I bet him at plus 400 to be the first wide receiver taken. Do I think that's actually going to hit? No. Would I take him first? No, definitely not. But I think there is some life to say like there is real, there's a real possibility he goes higher than a lot of us would take him. But again, it doesn't matter. It's what these NFL teams are going to do. But one of us is going to be right, right? One of us. We'll find <laughs> I, out. I, I don't really care. I just kind of like the bit more than actually being right. Uh, I would take the over 22 and a half, but that's not a uh, official Kyle uh, locked and loaded bet, of course. All right. One more market I want to talk about defensive players. And this one, I feel like the books are going to be losing a lot of money on this because for a long time, Will Anderson was looked at as a potential first overall pick like way back in like November, December. Like he was one of the betting favorites to be able to go number one overall, along with Bryce Young. Then he was kind of like, oh, well, they're going to go quarterbacks first. Then things started moving away where it's like, is Will Anderson going to go second overall? Is he going to go third overall? And he's still you know, up there, but he's no longer the betting favorite for third or fourth. And then when you start to look at the defensive players around him, Tyree Wilson from Texas Tech, Jalen Carter, who was also another betting favorite, out of Georgia, those lines have moved a ton. So the market of first defensive player selected, Will Anderson's at minus 450. And about a week ago, you and I talked, and I was like, I feel like this isn't a lock. The implied total says 82% of the time that's going to hit. I'd put that more at like 70%, 60-70%. So I think there's some in, uh, inefficiencies with this market. And I took Tyree Wilson to go in the top five. You took Jalen Carter to be the first defensive player selected. And I think you and I are liking where the lines have moved. Yeah, they moved a ton. And it's not that we think that there's a team specifically that we have in mind. It's just embracing like, hey, there's been years where you feel pretty confident. You know, you know, Joe Burrow is going number one overall. Then we knew the one year Zach Wilson was definitely going number Trevor two Lawrence. overall. We, yeah, Trevor Lawrence. You knew Jamar Chase was going to be the first wide receiver off the board. Last year, it was chaos. This year, every day that goes by, it feels like it's going to be more chaos. And so we said, let's embrace a lot of volatility here. Let's take some shots. So we bet those at long shot odds. Um, you know, there's places these guys could go. Lance Zerline, who's very plugged in with the Houston Texans, has made a claim that potentially, he's not saying this is going to happen, but there's potential that they pass on quarterback at two. I don't know. I don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> but he has put Tyree Wilson in his mock there. So sure, why not throw a dart at whatever you took it was, plus 700 or something to go top right. five. Um, you know, and, and we took Jalen Carter, the possibility he goes to the Seahawks if it starts, you know, one through four quarterback, and they say we have Jalen Carter above Willie Anderson, and they get past the off-the-field concerns. So, yeah, there's a lot of volatility in the top 10. If you have an inkling of what might happen, I would not be afraid to sprinkle on any of these guys. Tyree Wilson, Jalen Carter, heck, I think even Christian Gonzalez at uh, plus 2,000 is in play if a team loves him at corner. So, just be afraid. I, I'd be afraid to lay juice right now with Will Anderson. Tyree Wilson went from plus 700 a week ago to go in the top five. Then he was at plus 300 yesterday. I checked again right before the show, plus 175. So it's moving pretty rapidly for a player. You're not, you don't even have to say he's going ahead of Will Anderson. Like he could just e easily end up being, you know, fourth or fifth pick, depending on uh, what you're getting there. So last year, to remind people, the Texans were linked so long, including by me saying like, oh, they're, they're just going to get an offensive tackle. They need offensive tackle help. I mocked them, you know, Iki Aquanu there. I just, or Evan Neal, I thought those would be the picks. 
Derek Stingley moved up from being, hey, he probably was going to be top 20, to his line was at 12.5. Then it moved to 9.5 a week before. Then he went third overall. So the top five is not as set in stone, especially if these teams don't take quarterbacks there. So I think there's some value still at defensive players. I know that you've been looking also at the cornerback market. So any takes you have with Devon Weatherspoon out of Illinois or Christian Gonzalez from Oregon? Yeah, so this is one that's flipped in the last two weeks. And really what it came down to was Devin Witherspoon's uh, pro day. He ran a decent 40, and that was always the concern. Is his tape's incredible, but what are his measurables? And he ran a decent 40, whereas Christian Gonzalez just absolutely tore up the, the NFL combine. And he was kind of the, fa- the favorite for a while. And I actually read an article in, from one of the scouts. I can't remember who it was. But the direct quote was like, you know, he was put on this earth to play cornerback. And so you're like, oh, he must be the best. And then you got this team with Devin Witherspoon. And then today, on Thursday, as we're recording this, Peter Schrager, who is a guy that I think you need to pay attention to when he talks, mentioned there's a bunch of guys that are going to go higher in the draft than a lot of the mocks he's seeing. One of those names was Christian Gonzalez. He's not saying he's going third or fourth overall. He's just saying, just just watch for it. So as of our recording, it was plus 185 for Christian Gonzalez to be the first cornerback off the board just two or three weeks ago. I mean, that was like minus 160, minus 175. So I think the market is overcorrected to Devin Witherspoon. If you're going to play it, to me, I would I would play Devin, uh, excuse me, Christian Gonzalez plus 185. Yeah, and there's teams like the Lions at six that seem like to be a, a prime spot for that. It'd be a team that trades up, you know, with one of those spots, but uh, they both look like corners that top 10 guys. I, I do like where Christian Gonzalez is at in the betting market right now because it's not that clear. That's going to do it for us. Next week, we are going to have our infamous mock show where we get to walk through the first round together for the NFL draft. Talk about the betting markets. Bets. Sign us off. What's going to be fun about these next two weeks, Kyle, is everything we think we know right now, throw it out the window. It's going to be chaos. So embrace it. Take some long shot bets. Have some fun with it. Make sure you're plugged in. Subscribe. We'll be back next week for the mock draft of the year. Listening to another edition of the Fantasy Footballers DFS and Betting Podcast. Don't forget to visit us on the web at thefantasyfootballers.com.